This is a Main Hustle Media Podcast. Hey, y'all. This is Javia Nicole, a.k.a. your girl's favorite lesbian. And you're listening to Black Radical Queer Podcast, our stories on our own terms. Hi, everyone. This is Black Radical Queer Podcast. I'm your host, Javi and Nicole, and I have another guest with me today. Um, so I'm going to allow her to introduce herself and um, and then we'll just go from there and see what kind of uh, craziness we end up <laughs> discussing. All right. Uh, hi, I'm Aisha, a friend of Javia's. If you want to hit me up on Twitter, I am Milkdromeda with a D-U-H at the end, not a D-A. I rant a lot about video games, so be prepared for that. <laughs> um, <laughs> like video games and writing, that's all I talk about. Um, you can follow me on Twitch and you can follow me on Tumblr as well. Um, and I am here and queer, get used to it. And I mean... I guess we'll find out more about me as we go along, huh? <laughs> <laughs> indeed, indeed. So um, is there anything that you're working on or anything like that that you want to plug? Oh, well, I mean, I have a Patreon if you guys want to support that. I, I am a writer and I'm currently in school for getting my creative writing degree and everything. Um, and basically, I'm just around if you want to hit me up. If you want to talk, I am good. What I actually wanted to ask you about is, so I know because I know you and I've known you for a long time, like I know that you are an artist and you do, you mentioned writing, but you do a lot of different kinds of art. What has that been like for you kind of navigating that being, being black, being someone who is very socially aware and who um, is queer and who like you, you just have, you have to navigate a lot of different spaces um, oh yeah <laughs> so how is that what has that been like um well I guess the only way to really explain it is to start from the beginning like I I was a dancer first before I was anything else like I grew up doing African dance like all my life and culturally how I know, <laughs> that's actually how I, I I saw her dance. And I was like, who is that? <laughs> oh yeah, that is that's how. that's how well uh we had a I had a uh we'll just say a mutual connection. Um there was a person who we who had like learned about Aisha and who told me about her and was like, Oh my god, this woman is amazing. I have to meet her. She's gonna be having a performance and we're gonna go. So they just kind of like me. Uh, me and another mutual friend, they're just like, so y'all are coming with me because I'm too shy to go by myself and I want to meet her, but like, I can't do it by myself. So I was like, it's dance, you know, support black women. I'm not going to say no. So we went and then I actually saw you dance and I was like, what the hell? I've been missing out. Like, <laughs> okay, I mean, it was just, of course that that's how I learned about that, that center too. And I was just like, y'all are doing some bomb stuff, but yeah, I mean, I was just like, who is this woman? She's my friend now. She just has to accept it. <laughs> <laughs> and we've been friends ever since. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like I dance and navigating that space is kind of difficult because I come from a very conservative Muslim family. So, so being queer and being out is kind of like hard for me to do. Like mm. the whole internet knows I'm bisexual, but <laughs> my parents don't know. So it's like when I'm doing um, my my craft, um, it is I kind of embed a little bit of myself into everything that I do creatively. 
And a lot of the queer community gravitates towards dance. I mean, I guess, you know, Mm. gay and dance, I guess that's kind of a thing for us. But um, (laughs) (laughs) but a lot of dance dance around here. So like a lot of us gravitate towards the arts because it's one of the few places where we can gather and express ourselves as we truly are. So over the years. And where people do expect us to dominate, like people actually expect like queer folks to really shape and inform art, you know? So it's kind of, that's that, that one area where it's like, you know, well, we still got a lot of work to do in terms of acceptance, but at least you can freely express yourself. (laughs) Exactly. Like I've met a lot of queer women in the African dance community. Um, They don't know I'm queer, but you know, I try and push for more progressive um, outlooks because, you Mm -hmm. know, a lot of the, the older, the elders and everything are kind of in this community and they're not really trying to budge, but I try and push more progressive outlooks. It's like, okay, we all came here to dance and there's nothing that says that you have to be a certain gender presentation or sexuality to dance. I mean, we have traditions and everything, but I feel like as time moves on, we should probably change with the time. So I've been trying for that a lot, especially with um, my own experience where I'm trying to be like, look, if we're going to recruit people, <laughs> like we can't you know, exclude everyone. Right. Because right. once you start excluding then you miss out on all the talent that's out there. And there are so many talents. A lot of that talent is queer. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So it's like a lot of the talent in Atlanta is very queer. So because we're like, it's a lot of gay going on in Atlanta. It really is like a black, particularly a black queer Mecca. Exactly. And that's really important to me too, because I feel like the pride movement should have black, queer people at the forefront you know because that's that's kind of we kind of get like the the brunt of the violence and the exclusion Mm -hmm. and that's where it started you know it started with like trans women of color and black queer people and so yeah yeah, I try (laughs) I try and welcome other queer folk into the community as best I can. I can't speak for everybody else in the community, only myself, but I try to be as welcoming as I can. So with all of my creative endeavors, so with music, art, writing, all of that. So as writing, would you say that, hmm, because you introduced yourself as a writer, so would you say that writing is like, your, which I, was, I, I wasn't surprised by that because I know you write, but <laughs> I was surprised that you didn't initially mention, dance, mention dancing because um, that like I feel like with a lot of creative people, um, like we, we have a lot of things we're into. Like I know I have a lot of interests. Like I overwhelm my damn self. I really do. <laughs> uh, I have a lot of interests, but my first love, I always kind of go back to like writing, to, to poetry. Um, that's, you know, poetry and music are like, but when I get down to the core, it's, it's the poetry. Um, and then other things kind of connect to that in some kind of way. Um, so a lot of times I may say, oh, well, I'm a writer or oh, I'm this, I'm that. And I, it's kind of like the first thing that I'll mention. Um, so do you feel like writing is more so like, well, first and foremost, I'm a writer creatively or first and foremost, I'm a dancer or, um, or nothing is really like at the forefront? Well, 
over the last couple of years, writing has taken precedence, I guess, because with the dance thing, I kind of came up through that because of my mother. She dances. And she has her own calling and vision. And hers lies in dance. With me, I love to dance, but it's not something that calls to me as strongly as writing does. So over the last several years, I've really kind of like dug in and really tried to improve my writing craft and, you know, publishing articles, all this other stuff, and even going as far as getting a degree in writing. So I feel like I'm a writer first and a dancer second. Mm, That makes sense. So do you feel like, um, do you still dance? Oh, yes. <laughs> I actually still I still teach dance and I still perform. I actually have rehearsal tomorrow. <laughs> um, <laughs> so dancing is still very much a part of my life. It's just not the calling for me. Right. Okay. It, it's still one of my trades, but it's not my calling or vision. So it's kind of one of those things that was a um, it was like, OK, well, this was like a natural almost almost like a. I don't want to say like birthright, but it was something that was passed down because, you know, I, well, I, I've seen your mom dance. I know your mom's a dancer um, and and you all do are, are musicians and do all the things, really. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So so I can understand why that would kind of be like, well, this is kind of what I just naturally was doing because I was born into this. And then, you know, to later on be able to find, okay, well, I'm good at this, but what really resonates with me the most, you know, the the deepest. So, yeah, so that's, I think it's important for us to be able to have those outlets to be able to figure out, okay, what is it that I really, that really speaks to me? Because a lot of times we are quote unquote, kind of born into something, or we're just used to doing things a certain way. I think like not even just art, but in life in general, it's like, okay, well, this is what my family does. This is what I'm accustomed to. And a lot of times with being someone who is queer, in addition to Black and in addition to Radical and navigating those intersections, we, by virtue, have to stray away from kind of what the norm is and what that carefully laid out um, plan looks like for us. Um, Because a, a lot of times like our families and our parents and stuff did not envision us being queer and radical and all those things like that wasn't factored in. So as we start to create kind of cultivate our own lives, then we stray away from that. Like I know my, my family is very, my, my family is spiritual, but like a lot of my family is very much in the church. And I, I spent a lot of time in the church and a lot of my first creative outlet was in the church, was singing in choir. And I was trying to write like gospel songs and stuff like that. That was one of my first avenues to be creative. Um, but as I kind of came into my own and started exploring what my spirituality looked like for myself and what my identity was and where those things clashed in terms of the space where where it like clashed with the Baptist church or whatever, then I had to figure out a different path, figure out a different way to, to still continue uh, having some kind of creative outlet. So it looks different a lot of times than what our families and what our parents and all that envision for us um, because they have kids and they're like, oh, well, this is kind of like, this is what I want my child to be interested in. This is what I want them to do. But um, when you are queer and when you're radical, like you stray from that when you as you're trying to create your own story. And that can be difficult because um, we do have that, that expectation of like, OK, well, I do want to like make my parents proud. I do want to some of those expectations that they have, we do want to fulfill. So it's like balancing that with being true to yourself and recognizing the ways that you kind of stray from what they envisioned. Um, and I know for me, that was not easy. <laughs> it was not easy to, Gosh, to recognize like.
like, oh, well, I'm straying from like, this is kind of what my whoever kind of envisioned for me. And I'm straying from that. And I had to reconcile that because at first I tried to force myself to rein it in and not stray from it. And then after a while, I'm like, there's no way I can keep this up. Like I have to go on my own path, but it was not an easy thing to to acknowledge. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's kind of what was happening to me over the last couple of years. Like I tried really hard to kind of stay within the status quo and not ruffle too many feathers and not push back too much, you know? And then over over like the last three years, I want to say, I've just been like, you know what? Like, why am I shrinking myself to make other people comfortable? Like, that's not right. You know, you shouldn't have to suppress parts of yourself just because people say it's not normal. Like, I've grown up my whole life with Islam and, you know, people saying that this is haram and this is haram. And for those who don't know what haram is, that means this is bad. And then halal is the good part. So, Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I've grown up with that all of my life. And, you know, my parents are not exactly the most progressive minded. They've they've come a little further Mm -hmm. (laughs) in the last decade or so, but they're not the most progressive minded. So it's kind of hard to reconcile who I'm becoming with, you know, what my family wants me to become. So it's it's been Mm. a journey. It's kind of like standing Mm. on the edge of a diving board and you're not really (laughs) sure how deep the water is. Right, right. Even swim. So it's like, do I jump or do I go back to safety Mm -hmm. and familiarity? And I'm like, okay, well, if I go back to safety or familiarity, I'm just going to be miserable the whole time. I won't be able to be who I your full self. Yeah, yeah, I won't be able to be my. And you'll regret you'll regret like not taking that risk um, or regret. I mean, when I, when I came out, I was very, like, I always knew how I felt in terms of when it came to like women, girls, whatever. I like, I was always had this certainty around that. So um, when I came out, I didn't, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know how people would respond to me or anything like that. And um, it wasn't until later that I kind of had this, I don't know. I had like, regret maybe, or I came out when I was around like 14 or 15. And around the time when I was maybe 18, I remember having kind of this, I don't know, I felt this spiritual uh, guilt maybe, or well, really it came down to like family. I thought it was about my spirituality. So I started trying to change myself and I was like, okay, I'm not going to acknowledge that I do have this kind of natural inclination toward women. Um, I remember having a conversation with an aunt of mine she was like, well, okay, well, you know, you like women, but how do you know that you won't want to be with a man if you, if you've never tried it or something like that? And, you know, essentially being like, oh, well, you know, you owe it to God <laughs> to at least try or something like that. And, um, and at this point in time, yeah, I'm 30 years old now. So now I can look back at that, like, okay, what kind of bullshit conversation was this? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but at 18 years old, um, you know, I had already been out for a few years and it was, it was tumultuous in a lot of ways. The way I felt like at my core was not tumultuous. I had always been very sure. I had always been very sure like, okay, this is what my inclination is. I like women. And I didn't know it wasn't until I, you know, learned more that I knew it was quote unquote wrong, but I always knew how I felt. But, um, over the years it had been so tumultuous and, um, I was like, you know, maybe she's right. Just in that place I was in, I had just, um, gone through a breakup and actually it was amicable. I mean, basically me and this person, we had both grown up in the, ch- grown up in the church to an extent, her more so than me, but had families with a, you know, Baptist background. And we both were questioning, like, am I really like, am I, you know, is my life right with God or, you know, am I doing, am I making a mistake? 
by doing this or whatever. So we agree. We kind of like have this amicable split where we're like, okay, well, we're both going to just like figure this out and we'll just be friends. And I mean, we're still cool today, but we just were both in a really vulnerable and weird space um, religiously. And so when my aunt told me that and who she was someone who I looked up to and I was like, hmm, so instead of me rejecting it, I was like, well, maybe she's right. Um, and so I went on this whole, like I did, you know, date a guy and, and, and not to say that the only reason I dated him was because, because I actually did like him. Um, and of course I shouldn't knew me during this time. So she, um, <laughs> you, know, you know, I had a boyfriend and I mean, I was, but it, you know, I didn't just go out and like get with any old guy, but I was like, okay, well, you know, if I meet a guy I like, I won't close myself off to it. Um, which is kind of what I, I was like, okay, maybe, you know, this means something, blah, 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 whatever. Maybe, you know, I'll just give it a shot because maybe that's like God trying to tell me something. So I met this guy that I liked um, that really, he really like moved me. And I was like, and I had not been, I had not felt that way about a guy before, not to that extent. Um, I was definitely very much in love with him. And um, just, it was like, I don't know, something about him. I was just like, hmm, okay. So, but what I realized was that even in the midst of our relationship, like I adored him. Like I really can honestly say I was in love with him, but I still, that didn't make my feelings toward women go away. (laughs) Um, I still very much wanted to be with a woman and it was very hard for me to envision spending my life with him. And like, he would talk about the future and stuff. And it was like, I enjoyed myself with him and, you know, and he moved me, but I was just like, whenever I envision my future, I envision my future with a woman. So I was very conflicted. Um, and I was trying to make myself feel differently and it wasn't working. <laughs> so I was just, I was kind of like feeling guilty about that. So I, I had to, I guess, get to this point where I had to just be honest with myself. And I'm like, okay, well, the reality is you are who you are. And I had to have like this spiritual <laughs> reconciliation basically of like my sexuality and my sexual orientation and my faith and figure out what that looked like and not be in this place where I felt like I was going to be damned to hell <laughs> um, because of me just being authentic. Um, because I was like, you know, I, I, I would pray and I'll be like, okay, God, like if I'm not supposed to be this way, can you please take these feelings away? Like, I don't want to feel like this. I didn't ask for this. Like, I remember I would constantly say, I did not ask for this. I never asked to feel this way. I'm not like seeking this or pursuing this. I just feel it. I've just always felt it. Why? If I'm, if this is wrong or, you know, if I'm, if this is like not supposed to be, then why do I feel this way? So just take it away. <laughs> I mean, that was like my, I was playing, I was playing. So it was a very like, kind of like tumultuous time for me spiritually. So I know you said that your, your family is Muslim and they are, um, I don't, well, would you consider them to be like devout? Um, well, they're not like, you know, forcing people to wear hijab or anything right. like this, but uh, mom does pray five times a day, mm-hmm. every day, regardless of weather, reason, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and she does go to Juma every Friday. <laughs> so she, she is pretty devout in her faith. Mm-hmm. And she does use that as kind of like her compass to navigate okay. life. Um, okay. But she does now. But what she didn't do before is now she acknowledges is the cultural differences of if growing up back in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we're surrounded by people that look like us, who think like us, who practice right. the same faith and all that. So it's a lot easier to impress your your beliefs and your values on your children because that's mm-hmm. all they see. Right. But because, you know, she raised us here in America, we're constantly seeing 
different views, different opinions, different faiths, different sexualities, different genders, all this other stuff. So it's it's difficult for her to navigate. For me, I think I knew when I was about nine or so (laughs) that Mm -hmm. something was different about me because I couldn't figure out why the crush-like feelings I had for men I also had for women. So, mm-hmm. and I couldn't right. reconcile, I couldn't figure out what that was. Back then, I didn't know anything about, you know, LGBT or anything like that. I didn't know anything. Mom was very strict about what I was able to consume as a child. So, I didn't know anything about that. So, I couldn't figure out why. I was like, okay, I have a crush on a boy. I also have a crush on a girl. What's wrong with me? And I thought that maybe something was wrong with me. And it mm-hmm. wasn't until I was a teenager mm-hmm. that, you know, I've started reading and I figured out a name for it. And I was like, oh, I'm bisexual. Okay. What does that mean? <laughs> like, so I was right. maybe in ninth grade when I came out to my friends and, you know, their reactions were very different. <laughs> uh, some people were like, oh, that's cool. And other people mm-hmm. were like, oh my God. <laughs> like, yeah, that's, sometimes you may be surprised too by who has what, re- at least for me, I was surprised by some people like who had what reaction um because i i initially came out as bi i thought it was i thought it was like a bridge maybe i was like oh well maybe well actually that was part of part of it i thought it would be a little more acceptable and part of it was because i actually wasn't sure how i felt about guys i had always been sure about how i felt about women um i just was like "Eh." when it came to guys i was like (laughs) i'm not like opposed per se I just I don't know I just was very like neutral I guess I'm like oh well if a guy's attractive I'll like I mean I had crushes on guys but they just didn't move me the way that women did but I still was like oh he's cute or I date a guy or something but I don't know I just was like eh, very I don't know just very like <laughs> very not lukewarm very, yeah very like lukewarm <laughs> about guys but I wasn't ne- I was never like anti I was never like a man hater or like oh hell no you know I'd never be not like that I was like if it happens, you know, cool. But I knew women. I was like, oh, my God, like the butterflies and, you know, all that yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah, you got all of the requisite crush feelings around. Mm-hmm. So- and not crushing guys, too, but I don't know. It's just it was it was always like with guys, it would pass so quick. Like with girls, like I would just be stuck. Like if I was crushing, I was like, oh, my God, like everything just revolved around her. But with a guy, I might be crushing on one guy this week and a new guy <laughs> the next week, you know, and it's like, oh, cute oh he's cute okay you know flirting and then I'm moving on with my life and then the girl I'm like oh this whole time I had a crush on the same girl (laughs) yeah I don't know it was weird for me in high school it was kind of like a back and forth kind of deal and now that I'm older it's kind of like eh men (laughs) like men are all right and then (laughs) 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 all right you know like with bisexuality most people think that it's an equal attraction it's not always the same it's not always the same yeah Yeah. so like i'll be like men but then with women i'm just like oh my god how gay am i right now Like, I'm like, I'm like the worst person. Cause I'll be like, yes, yes. Women. Yes. Yeah. But I will still be like, if listen, there are just some guys where I'm just like, look, I have no shame. You just got to understand 
This is what it is. Like, I'm going to, I will fangirl the hell out of him. Like, it just is what it is. And luckily, my wife understands that and she does the same because I'm like, I can, yeah. If I'm crushing, I'm like, look, I'm crushing. I, there's this guy who is a um, musician. He lives out here. But I started, like, crushing on him when I was still in Atlanta. And my wife is such, she is such, like, she just antagonizes me about him because she knows that I have a crush on him. She's like, yeah, so... First, she was like, oh, you're going to leave me for him. And I'm like, oh, my God. And now that we're out here, we saw him at an event. And she was like, oh, you're not going to go speak to your man? So she just <laughs> messed with me. And she's like, you need to go get him. Like, what you? I'm like, oh, my God, leave me alone. She knows I I have the biggest crush on him. Like, he knows. I told her, like, I, I tweet him. I'm like, listen, you already know. You know you're an exception of mine, right? Okay, just so you understand. You do know. Even though it gets, my my comments get a little more, more vulgar. But, <laughs> yeah. But but my wife is just like, she antagonizes me about it. So I'm like, if I'm crushing, I'll crush. But women just, I don't know. It's just a whole different level, really. I think it's because the ratio of like gorgeous and fun and attractive women just outweigh men. Like, it just... Mm. There's yeah. so many beautiful women out there. And I'm just like, why can't y'all all be gay? <laughs> like, why would you cooperate? What's happening here? Get with the go, program. Go play for the winning team. <laughs> no, okay, wait. So let's backtrack because let me tell you how. So, of course, me and Aisha have known each other for a while. So I got to tell y'all, she's saying this now. Mind you, I had this conversation with her years ago. And I was, I was like 19 or something. And listen, I was like, look, I need you to understand. <laughs> now, at the time, it wasn't until like we had a conversation later on about your sexuality. But at the time, you know, you're dating a guy and I was just like, so that's cute or whatever. But <laughs> I'm going to need you to get with the winning team. That don't mean you got to let him go. You just got to be, you know, just with the winning team. And so I... Y'all, I gave her so much grief. Like, not grief for real, but Lord knows I harassed her. Because, like, just all in good fun. But I was really like, look, I would tell her boyfriend at the time, I'm like, look, so just so you understand, she is not just yours. I am claiming her. She is part of, and he was just like, oh, my God, you're going to try to steal my girlfriend. I'm like, listen. <laughs> like, okay, you're forgetting the part where we realized that you had lesbian superpowers. <laughs> like, what? Oh, yes. Dang. Remember that? Oh my God! Like every oh, no. every woman that oh, came in contact with Javia was gay afterwards. <laughs> like it don't no, matter if they had a man or anything. My, it was just our, like the like Aisha's boyfriend at the time was like, "Look, I have to keep her away from you." And I'm like, "What are you talking?" Because really, we would joke around, but I really was not like pushing up on you know pushing up on you like that but <laughs> it was just like because when we met you at the same time I was like no like dude I see why you are enamored with her like she's amazing so we hung out and stuff like that and we we're like oh we have these things in common and you're just cool so he it was kind of like a running thing that we would joke around and I would be like okay so watch your back I would tell him watch his back um but he's like okay so at a certain point though he honestly did start to feel some kind of way <laughs> it was like so i'm gonna have to keep her away from you because every that's where the lesbian superpower statement came in because they're like oh every woman that you come in contact with is like now like curious or now and i'm like i'm not doing anything so I'm, <laughs> friend is like, I'm like i'm literally just existing like i'm not doing anything he's like yeah i have to keep my girlfriend away from you because now she's like oh well Javier. i'm like well i already told you to watch your back with that one but, <laughs> but 
I, it was just so, I mean, I really wasn't, I really wasn't like, I, I do know people who pursue straight women or women who they, you know, think are straight or whatever. And that's never been a thing of mine. I'm like, no, I'm not going to pursue someone who, you know, doesn't have any kind of interest or whatever. It, it, like it's some conquest. I'm like, no, I'm not interested in that. But um, they were just like, oh, every woman that you like interact with, they just, they're like, well, they're not just like gay or whatever, but they do have this interest in you. And I'm like, I don't know what that's about because I'm not doing anything on purpose. <laughs> I'm really not. <laughs> I really didn't understand it either because Javier would have like a friend over and I know that the friend has a boyfriend and then she comes back and she's single and gay. And I'm just like, what? I I object. I think that that is an exaggeration. (laughs) Hmm. I'm like, I object to that assessment. (laughs) Oh man, I was like, I need to take some lessons because that is amazing. (laughs) I don't even know. Like, honestly, okay, the sad thing is a lot of times. What I've learned over the years is like a lot of times in my interaction with people, with women, like we are used to dealing with certain things. Uh, I did see your comment, Charmaine. Yeah, we, me and Charmaine have had a conversation about this because we're like, why do we attract straight women? But anyway, um, yeah, so I um, I did notice, though, in a lot of my interactions with, with women, like they're just used to, there's a certain way we're used to being treated and a, a certain way that we're used to engaging with men. And so even though I have like my, my masculine energy and everything, it's just, I do engage with women a certain way. And I feel like it would be that. It would be like the little things of, hey, I'm actually listening to you or I'm remembering things you told me that you're interested in and like taking those things into consideration or like acknowledging that or getting you something that's relevant to that. So it's honestly just like basic consideration and, you know, treating somebody well. And that would be the thing that that women would latch on to. Um I think it was that in combination with me being like more dominant, me being assertive, me being having like that masculine energy that they will be like, oh, well, here's someone who has this kind of energy, but how they treat me is very different. And um, and I and I think that was a big part of it. Um, I mean, I know I'm flirty, but um, it really I think it was that because it, it like I'm, it just amazed me how many folks were not how many women are not used to consideration. And I mean, I understand it because I wasn't either <laughs> like I wasn't used to someone considering me in that way. Um, so, yeah, so I, I get that. So that's I feel like that was really what it was. Um, and in our situation, like you took your time to listen to them. Yeah. But that was the difference, because when me when you and I would have conversations at the time, um, like we might talk about something and then, you know, your boyfriend at the time will be like, oh, I didn't know that. I'm like, she said this before. Like, you don't listen, you know, so it, wouldn't, it wasn't like anything was being withheld. It was just like, no, bro, you just were not listening. And I remembered. So I might be like, oh, how does such and such go? And you'd be like, oh, and you know, you would tell me and then he'd be like, oh, I didn't know you had to do. I'm like, dude, she told us like twice. Are you kidding? <laughs> so, but it's those kinds of things that um, would kind of help build that rapport. And then women would like bond with me. And I feel like I have enough masculine energy to kind of shift that in a into more of like an attraction or like a sexual kind of interest. Whereas someone who's like just a lot more femme, I am femme, but still I'm definitely not, I'm not passive. So like I'm already like assertive and I'm already going to naturally do those things that are kind of seen as like chivalrous and all that kind of stuff. So I think it was that combination, I guess. (laughs) Like that's, that's my guess. All I remember is women loved you. Like, (laughs) Like, I'm like, Oh yeah. Javi is great. But, 
That is so funny to me because my perception was so not. <laughs> I'm not like that. Like every girl that came into contact with you loved you. It was just like, oh, okay, well, it was only a matter of time. But um, well, I, yeah, I feel I like I not memory lane. But that was just crazy. I, but I mean, so for you, um, with like this whole idea of a phase, like, have you had any issues in terms of? Kind of like the intersection of faith and sexuality. It's funny that you asked that because I've recently just talked about it with a friend of mine about how a lot of people, I feel like they distill their faith through like, say, your pastor or your imam. Mm -hmm. They rely Mm -hmm. on these people to interpret the scriptures for them. And by doing that, they also kind of internalize the I guess you would say homophobic messages and undertones in the sermons and everything. So Mm -hmm. how I reconciled my faith with my um, sexuality, I eliminated the middleman. I said, okay, well, of course, culturally, most of these imams are going to speak out against homosexuality or any kind of queerness that is not of the status quo, because that's just the culture. So I said, okay, let me go straight to the source. So, you know, I sat down, I read the Quran, I've read the Hadith, and there's really nothing in there that says anything about, you know, queerness being wrong. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. Like there's no, oh, that's there's, true. Yeah, there's nothing in there that really it's like all people's interpretation, but yeah. that's used to suit them and to suit what's acceptable in society too. It's like to reinforce social norms. So Yeah. So like I, I eliminate once I eliminated the middleman and I started connecting on my faith on a personal level, I was able to reconcile that. I'm like, well, Islam doesn't really say anything about being queer. There's nothing wrong right. with it. Um, right. Really, they want you to just pray it fast. <laughs> but like, <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> like, but it's not, your, you know, yeah, right. they're not really concerned with like, you know, who you love or who you're married to. You know, they're concerned with something wrong with it though. Like they will take something and just inter- like, it's been interpreted and the interpretations have been interpreted, you know, so it's so it's just not like if you go to the source, it's just not the same. And like I said, it's a cultural thing and mm-hmm. people relate cultural traditions with religious practice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like Islam practice in Nigeria is a little bit more strict. Um, like if I were to go like my mom's in Nigeria right now, if I were to go back there, I would have to wear a hijab and I would have to dress conservatively at all times, you know? But here, it's kind of a little bit more progressive. I don't have to wear hijab if I don't want to, etc. And then if I were to go to someplace like Saudi Arabia, I wouldn't even be allowed to be outside without my dad's permission, right. you know? Exactly. So, like, yeah. so it's a cultural thing that I think really pushes that homophobic undertone in religion more so than the practice itself. And when you have people that kind of combine the cultural upbringing with religious practice that are leading these congregations and everything, that's how you get the message spread that, oh, being queer is bad or this or that. But if you go back to the traditions, um, that was always seen as part of humanity. Right. It's just not some abnormal new thing. That's yeah. thing so I'm like, uh, this didn't just appear. Like, y'all know this did not just like pop up with yeah. recent generations. Like, this there's, has always been around. <laughs> there's a... Uh, traditions that you know where they place queer people in positions of respect and even worship 
So it's not it's not anything that I saw that was wrong. And the right. biggest point for me, the biggest takeaway was that I was able to impress this on my mom. Like, OK, you've had this cultural upbringing. You're you're about preserving the culture. So we have to look at all aspects of the culture. You can't cherry pick what you want to preserve and what you want Mm -hmm. to forget. Which is what people have done. That's like, that's exactly why it is like it is now because people pick and choose and take it all out of context (laughs) and including the social context. They take it out of like the societal context as well as the literal like text <laughs> context yeah it's like okay because cool. to hear some people tell it you would swear that no queerness existed in africa ever right. <laughs> like and i'm like y'all are so wrong i'm like where are you getting your like who are your sources where are you getting your information from not knowing that some of the gods and goddesses worshipped in these traditions were as queer as they come like they present as man they present as woman sometimes both you know it doesn't mm-hmm. If you have that in your spirituality, how could you say that a human being with that same presentation is, you know? So that's kind of what I'm pushing for now in the um, African dance community. Like, if you're going to preserve the culture, don't cherry pick what it is. Or, like you know? preserve it for real like yeah. you know if you're gonna do it then be about that life if you're and I mean I think that's something that's important um because I mean my family my family's background is Christian but um uh, there were there were some things that resonated with me and some things I was like eh, I'm not you know too sure about but when I went through that whole kind of conflict and I'm like okay can I reconcile my my spirituality with my with my orientation um I really um I, I had to similar to what you said about going back, going to the source. So I, I, at one point taught Sunday school, like, I mean, so I was familiar with the text of the Bible, um, to, to an extent, like not like cover to cover, but, um, enough, you know? So I was like, okay, you know what, let me just do sources for myself. So I did my own research and, and I prayed and I meditated and all those kind of things. And I kept coming back to, um, you know, this thing of, this is just a part of me. And I, I like, it's not something that I'm doing. It's just something I'm being like, it's just is a part of my being. And why would this be a natural part of me if it was, if it was wrong? Like, so I'm just automatically doomed basically um, because I'm like, there's nothing I can do to, to get rid of it. Um, no matter what I do, I still feel the same. So once I realized that I was like, you know, it just is what it is. So let me not go based off what other people say. And then I started going to a church that was um, that was a queer church. So, I mean, like my pastor was queer. A lot of the congregation was queer, queer and black. And um, so once I, I was introduced to that space by my first love, I was like, wow, this, you know, it really was affirming for me and really seeing these people who came together to like fellowship and um, to share in this in this faith, um, it, it meant a lot to me. So, I mean, at this point in my life, I'm in a different place spiritually. I mean, I won't, I'm not devout by any means. I'm not really religious. I am spiritual and I do, um, there are some kind of things that come with Christianity that, that resonate with me. So I kind of hold on to those things about just more so this message of um, acceptance and a a lot of things that basically that they have Jesus represent that people want to ignore. Um, But those kind of things. But in general, I'm just like, you know what? I have to 
have my own spiritual relationship. I have to kind of define, uh, cultivate that for myself and define it for myself and not allow anyone else to dictate it because it is mine. Um, so once I, you know, really did what you mentioned about, like going back to the source and kind of just defining it for myself and seeing for myself, then it wasn't difficult for me to reconcile. Like now I'm, I'm like, yes, I'm queer, but I'm also a spiritual person. And those things are not in conflict. Exactly. And I feel, um, and this is not to invalidate other people who might come from a monotheistic background. I noticed a mm-hmm. lot of queer mm-hmm. people as well. They they kind of either they reconcile themselves with their religion or they walk away from it entirely. And that's completely valid. Like some people just can't, you know, deal with a religion where they have to do a lot of mental gymnastics to say, okay, well, I'm enough, you know? So they mm. gravitate towards, like, I notice a lot of people are gravitating more towards the polytheistic face, like, mm-hmm. yeah, I all that. That. yeah, you know, re- more spiritual practices that have them as represented in the pantheon, you know? Right, so like, there's right. that, and then there's, you know, some people, they choose to stay with the with Islam or Christianity or Judaism and then other people choose to walk away and find something else or they choose not to be spiritual at all which is you know it just proves that everybody has their own journey towards acceptance of who they are so I feel like that religion plays a role but I feel like it shouldn't be like the one true queer experience where everybody comes back right. to Jesus or whatever. <laughs> so like, oh no, absolutely. So, yeah. So everybody has their journey to self-acceptance and being right. accepted by their chosen family. And I say mm-hmm. chosen family because, you know, coming out to your family doesn't always go well. Like, right. you know, I, I know if I were to come out to my parents, it would be all kinds of World War Three going on. But like, right. so coming out doesn't always go as planned. And Mm -hmm. that's another thing that I feel um, is, it's on us to address that as, Mm -hmm. as, because family, religion, these are the places that exclude us the most that it starts at home, like, like everything else, pretty much. All those things that are supposed to be like those core, kind of like, you know, your core foundational things. Yeah. Your um, system is supposed to start from mm -hmm. home. So if you don't have that, I mean, I don't blame people for walking away, but I'm also glad that other people are finding their way to still be in their faith and where. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think too, it's, hmm, I've seen like, as I have, as I've gotten older and stuff, and I, I say like, I'm so old, I'm not, but I came out young. So I got to see how that progressed over the years. And um, there used to be this mindset of, well, and and maybe to a certain extent there still is just in terms of like coming out and being out and what that meant and, um, you know, kind of this all or nothing type of approach. And now, you know, I think that people are getting a better understanding of how nuanced that is. And um, I always say I'm selectively out, but um, because we do have to navigate so many different things and we just have to figure out what that looks like for us. Like if I'm, you know, kind of out in one arena and not in another, what does that um, mean for kind of like how I, how I live my life? And so for you, since you are, because you do write and, and not just write, like you do have like 
a following um, and like this, you know, these storylines that people really do get like wrapped up in and all the kinds of stuff. So it's like it, it takes on your your uh, you basically become more you become like this thing that's outside of yourself. Like you have you as a person, but you also have like you as an artist and as a writer and the way that people relate to you in that particular sense. Um, but as you look at, you know, how you navigate being queer, being an artist, being out, um, but not being out to your family, what is what do you feel like that looks like for you um, for like your future? If you look at, well, um, like, do I want to have a family or do I want to get married or do I like want to have certain types of romantic connections to people? Um, yeah, what is that? How do you like navigate that and still be true to yourself, but not have to not out yourself to folks you don't want to out yourself to? That's a really tough question. <laughs> oh, man. And this is something that I struggle with like every day, too. Um, mm-hmm. As far as being out to everybody but my family, it is I'm going to be honest, it's painful because, you know, my family they do support my art. They support my writing. They support my dancing, all of this, especially my mom and my dad. They're always pushing for me to do this. They want to see me be successful and everything else. But I feel like if um, if I were to come out, then that would kind of shatter the support that I do get, you know, because I don't know how they're going to react. Are they going to be okay with it? Are they going to, you know, ostracize me and, you know, kick me out or, disown me like I don't I know for some people this is a painful topic so but um navigating when I'm not out to my parents is difficult because a lot of my queerness is embedded in my art (laughs) so right uh, right like my writing the characters are none of my characters are straight (laughs) so it's like right yeah, I'm like, yeah, your characters are not straight. I was just about that. I'm like, yeah, the ones I know of are not straight. Like, and they're really looking forward to me publishing this book. And like, I'm like, oh, so when you guys get to the part where you find out that both of the romantic leads are women. Right, right, <laughs> that part. Yeah, <laughs> when you guys get to that part, don't call me. <laughs> like, So, yeah, it's, it's hard because I want to be able to be out and proud and, you know, still have my parents support and have my parents be completely okay with it. It also makes dating hard. (laughs) So like navigating the dating scene is hard because it's like, I'm kind of a traditionalist where if I'm dating somebody and we're getting serious, I do want them to meet family, you know, but okay. If the person I'm dating happens to be a girl, (laughs) uh, what do I do then? Like, how do I introduce her to the family? And if she's out and I'm not, that's going to be a problem, you know, because, you know, nobody wants to be a dirty secret. So that kind of makes that kind of makes navigating dating hard as well as um, as well as uh, my art. So I can't be myself fully if I'm not out to my parents, which maybe one day I'll tell them when I am, mm-hmm. you know, living on Mars and they're not. <laughs> but, but yeah, that that's a journey I'm still on. Right. I mean, and the thing is too, I think, um, I mean, I am glad that um, there is starting to be this shift in people, uh, people understanding <clears throat> this whole thing about being out. And, um, but yeah, there is starting to be a shift in people understanding being out and what that looks like and that it is not as simple as you just being out across the board. Yeah. Um, it's, it's rarely that simple. Um, when you have so many, you know, spaces that you have to navigate. So, um, yeah, that's, I mean, 
and I I came out so young that like at one point in time I was just kind of like very out and and I was lucky enough to be um in Atlanta and in spaces where I you know had some type of support and stuff like that but um as I got older and I got into different workplaces then I'm like okay you know I I became more selective about how out how out I was and now I mean I feel like I'm a pretty open person but I'm still selectively out um, yeah. and still being able to I mean you can still have um fulfilling connections fulfilling relationships and stuff like that and just have to navigate it differently but part of that is <clears throat> making those hard decisions like okay well I know that ideally um, I would want to be able to kind of like introduce this person to my family or not even just that, because it's been times where I've introduced someone to my family, but not as my significant other. Um, but, you know, so it's like wanting to be able to do that and having to really weigh like, OK, well, I can have this person in my life. Um, my parents may not know in what capacity and just really deciding if that's something that you want to do, because at the same time, you still deserve to be able to like have the relationships you want and all that kind of stuff. Um, but you also can't be like forced to be out to your parents. Um, cause that's just not, a, that's not, uh, safe for some people or that's not feasible or whatever. That's not always as much as people talk about like coming out and it's supposed to be just like, Oh, well, you know, you're just out and proud and tell everybody in real life, we have to navigate things a bit differently. So, so we may be yeah. out like, I, I, you know, I'm not, out, out at work. Um, like maybe a couple people know, but I, I'm not because I'm like, I don't know that that is my, my job, you know, that is my paycheck. I don't know how people are going to respond. And I do know that my, my job is a nonprofit that is associated with, um, church. So, um, I just, I'm like, it's not everybody's business and being okay with that and not feeling like, Ooh, well, I have to hide this part of myself or, Ooh, I'm less, authentic or, oh, I'm less this or that. Because when in reality, no, you're just being an adult and you have to navigate spaces in a way that's going to be, you know, safest and best for you to be able to live your life. So, um, and I know my perspective, like my understanding and perspective on being out has definitely changed as I've gotten older. When I was younger, I didn't really know about the nuance. I just was like, either you're out or you're not. <laughs> um, yeah. And now it's like, well, no, it's not that, you know, it's not that black and white. Yeah. And some people still adhere to that whole gold standard. Uh, you're not really true LGBT until you're all the way out. And I'm like, OK, right. which is ridiculous. know that being out can be dangerous for some people, like some right. more than others. And, you know, some people don't need to know. Uh, that's how it's, I, see I mean, it. it's really not everybody's business and it's like okay well the reality is straight folks don't have to do this yeah um they don't so it's like it is I think it is in some ways radical to just be like well I'm just gonna live my life and I'm just gonna love who I love and be with who I'm with without feeling like I have to announce it to the world and that's more so the place I'm in now at one point in time I did feel like I had to announce it part of that was a visibility thing because I got tired of being assumed straight <laughs> when I'm like, I'm not, that is not my reality. But, um, over time now I'm like, you know what? I don't have to like shout it from the mountaintops. I don't, I'm not like flamboyant or anything. And if you are, that's fine, but that's just not 
me and my life, I'm definitely out, but I'm just like, it's not everybody's business. It's really not. Like, I'm gonna live my life and straight people don't have to like go through this whole hurrah and like let people know, well, by the way, I'm straight in. No. So why should I be forced to navigate spaces that way where instead of just me living my life and showing up to this event with whoever I'm with and without it having to be all this like legwork I have to do beforehand. So at this point, it's more part of it is resistance. I do feel like it is radical. I mean, it is a type of resistance for somebody to just be like, well, fuck that. I'm just going to live my life. <laughs> yeah, for um, me, that's, you know, that's how I live. And, you know, if I if people ask and, you know, I usually sometimes I do get questions, and, mm-hmm. but it's like if people ask, I'll be like, well, yeah, I mean, I'm not straight, but, you know, I don't see how it's any of your business what I am. Like, are you trying to date me? Right. I'm like, what does it have to do with you? That's, you know. I don't understand. Like, why do you need to know? <laughs> so, and then, you know, and then when I do come out to people, then people will ask me, of course, like, it's different for every, every spectrum, every part mm-hmm. of the spectrum. But uh, speaking from a bisexual experience, uh, I always get the same questions. So which one do you like more? Uh, okay. <laughs> or, or the gross dudes that'll be like, so can I invite you to be in a threesome? Oh, Lord. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm just like, dude, first of all. <laughs> I don't know. I'm like, can y'all come up with better questions? Jeez. <laughs> like, uh, second of all, gross. Do you ask other women this? Like, <laughs> so it's no, it's no. like a lot of different reactions I get depending on the company I'm in. Like, like the mo- the one I get the most is who do you like more, boys or girls? And I'm like, uh, depends. Like on you know what I'm feeling like, you know, right, and it's right. not always just men and women it's two different genders i can be attracted to non-binary people or a trans person (laughs) like it doesn't it doesn't fit into their neat little box of what bisexuality should be i'm like it's not just one or the other sometimes it is all of them (laughs) so um with with that i don't really just say oh i'm i'm out i'm this i'm that like i haven't even been to a pride parade yet (laughs) That's how, that's how on the low I am with mine. Like I plan on going, but you know, I haven't actually been to one. So with being out, I feel like people kind of get these perceptions based on the media too. Like you'll see in TV shows and movies, the tearful coming out and the parents lovingly accepting their child. And I understand the message behind that. Like what, you know, media is trying to push this positivity to accept your children no matter what. But that's not how it happens in real life. You know, some people have shitty parents (laughs) or some people have, you know, one parent or some people don't have any support system at all. So I feel like it's best if we don't define being out as, you know, screaming I'm gay at every person you meet (laughs) because you never know. Um, I have actually had to scream that at somebody, which is funny. <laughs> um, I had a guy. You, to, you shouldn't be required to be um, flamboyant to be out. And that's something, I mean, I had to kind of like learn over time. I never felt like anybody had to be flamboyant, but that was like the expectation to just be like, you wear a bunch of rainbow stuff and you go to all the gay things. And um, <laughs> and some of that stuff I just was not interested in. First and foremost, I'm like, that does not speak to me. And I'm, And part of it was I still felt I still didn't feel fully visible in those spaces. Like there was still 
nuances that those spaces did not meet. And, you know, I'm just like, okay, well, that should not be this whole being out and this performative outness or whatever should not be the standard or like, oh, well, you're not really out, you know, if you don't do it this way, Um, as opposed to, you know, you living your, your life authentically and in a way that makes most sense for you. And for some people, the way that makes most sense for them is they have to be selective. Um, if you're able to be out all across the board, good for you, but that's not everybody's reality. And and it fluctuates. I mean, there have been times where I was, I was out in every um, kind of like facet of my life. I was out at work and I was out, you know, all that kind of stuff, but that fluctuates and that is not, has not been the same throughout my lifetime. And it's not the same now. I'm definitely, and I'm just, I'm just a private person too. So I definitely don't hide. I mean, people know I have a wife, um, but I'm not out at work. And I'm like, you know, I'm fine with that because it's none of your business. Um, am I coming to work and doing my job? Yes. So it doesn't matter. Um, and, and being, and making those decisions like about the spaces I'm choosing to be out in, because it really is up to me. And and I'm still not going to announce it. I refuse. I'm not going to announce it. So I'm going to just be myself. You might see me show up with my wife or I'm going to just say, oh, well, my wife or whatever, or use her or whatever, and just keep it moving. I'm not going to be like, well, let me preface this statement by saying that I'm not doing that. I'm tired. Straight people have to do that shit. Like, I'm so tired of having that, making that, you know, that little speech. I'm just like, no, I'm, I'm tired. I've done it enough. And we shouldn't have to do that shit. Honestly, I'm just my like, I'm so over a lot of stuff. So I'm just be like, we don't have we shouldn't have to do that shit. So I'm not doing it. Yeah, it's it's 2018. Are you gay or right. not? <laughs> like, you know, I am who I am. If it's your business, you're a no. And if it's not your business, then you won't know. And we'll keep it moving. Yeah, like there's certain aspects of my life I like to keep private. Like I understand the movement and I understand that right. for a lot of the youth too, it's needed. Right. To that visibility up. is important, but it's everybody <laughs> and that's the thing, everybody can't be visible to the same degree. And and what that looks like is not the same for everybody. So being visible doesn't automatically mean say it loud, I'm gay and I'm proud and I'm, you know, wearing all the rainbow shit. Being visible could be somebody confided in me that Hey, I'm queer. And I was like, you know what? You're not by yourself. Me too. Yeah. That could be, it could be something as small as that. And that makes all the difference I've had. That has been more impactful than me walking around wearing a bunch of rainbow stuff. Somebody just being like, you know what? I'm, you know, I'm confiding in you that this is a part of me. And I'm like, well, it's okay. And you know what? That's a part of me too. We have that in common. You know, you're not isolated. You're not weird. So it, it's a lot more nuanced. Um, and, and it should be like allowed to be. There's nothing wrong with that. My, Yeah. I'm just in a very different place with it. And I just don't, I don't, I just, I don't know. I'm just not interested in announcing myself every day where I go. And I, and I feel some kind of way about it, honestly, because I'm like, why the fuck should we have to do that? So that's more so where I'm at now versus in the past. It was a thing about visibility and me wanting to be like, well, you're not, I'm not going to be hidden. But at this point, I'm like, well, no, I'm not going to announce my damn self. I am who I am. I, don't, I shouldn't have to jump through all these hoops. So I'm just like over that <laughs> at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for me, it's it's been about like visibility has never been an issue for me because I spent so much time kind of like inward. But I know for younger queer youth, they're they're looking for that visibility and affirmation. And, you know, if if it comes in my path where I can give them that then Yeah, I will definitely be like, hey, like you said, uh, They'll be like, hey, I'm queer. And I'll be like, hey, me too. Uh, you're not alone. And, you know, and I do feel like I agree that I do feel like that's more impactful than, you know, vomiting rainbows everywhere and, you know, marching through the streets 
And for some people, that's validation. Um, but for me, right. I, I like the more quiet, one-on-one kind of like having them confide. Because, you know, sometimes people don't feel comfortable coming all the way out. They might just mm-hmm. see you as somebody they trust or right. they say, hey, I'm this um, and I just wanted you to know. And I'd be like, OK, well, that's we need good. both. Yeah, I mean, we need, oh. we need that. We need that kind of like more quiet affirmation. And we do need, I mean, even like marching in the streets and that kind of stuff. I mean, and and that was me. And I definitely, I still support it because I do feel like sometimes you do have to be very much like in your face and very much like, you know what, we are here, we exist. You're not going to pretend that we don't. And that's fine. But I don't think one way is better than the other. And so I think that this idea that, well, marching in the streets and, you know, wearing rainbow stuff and all that is like the better way or the right way to be out. I think that's not I don't think that's fair because everybody can't do that. So then you put people in a position where they feel less valid because they're not able to do that. And that's not fair. Um, it's like all of our experiences and our identities are nuanced and they're valid and we can't all express them or exhibit them the same way. It won't look the same, but that's part of what we supposedly um, advocate for is that it's like, hey, regardless of how this looks, we want it, it should be accepted. It should be, um, you know, just understood that it, it's going to manifest in different ways. Um, so I feel like that's more important than there being this cookie cutter way to be out and to come out. It's just like, well, no, some people are going to be more private. Some people are going to be more visible no matter where they fall on that spectrum. They should just be able to be their authentic selves without, you know, fearing for their safety or without um, being judged or without somebody telling them they're doing it wrong. Yeah, that's that's the most important thing is that they're able to have like a safe place to come out and not be judged. That's super important. Like, Oh, man, that's the that's the chief thing that I've noticed a lot of, with a lot of the queer youth that I deal with. They um, they want that safe space and they want that support because they're probably not getting it at home either. Right. But I also don't want them to feel pressure that, OK, now that you're out, <laughs> you have to go to all the gay bars. You can only right. you, you have to do all and like <laughs> before you even tell someone your name, you have to say you're gay. Like, <laughs> yeah. like you know. I don't want you to feel like you have to tell everybody that you're gay now. Like the fact that you've put the words out there to somebody that you trust, that should be enough for you. Like, and if that's not, then, you know, you can start, you can continue on your journey. Right. So even if that's someone is you, even if, uh, even if, you know, you acknowledging it is only to yourself, only if you're like, you know what, I know that I'm a queer person or whatever. And that's just like your internal dialogue. That's if that's enough for you, that's enough. And because ultimately you have to, you know, live with yourself. You have to live your own life. So we don't have to, um, this external validation isn't, isn't mandatory. It isn't, you know, and it helps. I mean, cause visibility is important and we do want to be able to have people we can relate to. And we want to be able to see ourselves And some of the most affirming things for me have been where I've seen parts of myself reflected on like a larger scale or whatever, but that doesn't, that's not more valid than me acknowledging myself and me kind of like nurturing my own identity. And so I think we have to be able to look at all of that and say, okay, well, even if you don't tell anybody, even if you, you know, if you never tell anybody and it's just something that you know in your heart, it doesn't make you any less clear. It doesn't make you any less valid. That's just your, it's up to you. And we are the, you know, kind of like the authors of our own stories. We get to decide who we disclose to, who we don't disclose, if we disclose at all, because it's still not everybody, like it's, it's up to you to decide whose business it is um, and kind of where you want to fall on that spectrum. So yeah, I, I do think, at least to me, it seems like over the course of time that I've been out, 
that this whole idea of being out has become more nuanced, it still has a ways to go because there's still this whole narrative of like coming out and kind of people feeling pressure to come out. Like it's a validating thing. Like, oh, you're not, you're not as legitimate as queer if you aren't out. And so that I would really like to see that not be the case because people do feel like, oh my God, like I, I haven't come out. So I'm like positive or I'm less than, or, you know, I'm not being real. And it's like, that's up to you what being real means. Like you shouldn't have to announce to the world um, to be seen as valid or legitimate. So I hope that we kind of shift away from that because people like torture themselves. And they're like, I got to come out. I got to come out. I got to come out. And it's like, they could just be living their lives and not stressing about this whole production of coming out. Yeah. So yeah, that's a, that's a big thing for me too. Um, I feel like the whole spectrum should have options. <laughs> like they should, we should have options for coming out. We should have, and especially, I know it's hard for some people, especially to see other people that are like all the way out and just living their best life mm-hmm. every mm-hmm. It's probably hard for some of the people that are, you know, still closeted or still questioning and unsure if they're really queer or not to see people out there. And, you know, I feel like we should really start giving reassurance to the people that are still in the closet that, hey, you're still valid, even if you're not all the way out. Like you're still right. the community. You're still, mm-hmm. you know, you're still like your ice is not less than. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're not less than at all if you're still in the closet. And and I know it's difficult for some people to like see that, especially during Pride Month of all places. Like, it's like, oh, I wish I could do this. Like, one of the reasons I don't go to Pride parades is because since I'm not out, um, uh-huh. I don't want nobody get, I don't want it getting back to my parents. That, oh man, she was... <laughs> acting all kinds of foolish and <laughs> you know what I'm saying like I'm totally cool with them seeing me like afterwards at or drunk on Facebook live or something but if it's at private they're like what you was with the gays I'm like oh it's only you knew <laughs> so like so it's like that's kind of like I kind of keep it on the down low but I don't I'm at a point in my life where I don't feel any less than even if my journey hasn't taken me to, you know, dancing on a float at Pride, you know? Right. Like I'm still a black bisexual woman. I still have my art. I still have my own sense of self mm-hmm. and you know, other people are on that journey too. So right. that's my message is that you don't have to be a certain way to be considered valid and queer, you know? Amen. <laughs> uh- no, no, that's real. I think that it's, um, it's very important that that was expressed because I do feel like that's something that needs to be said more. Um, that, you know, yeah, there's not some right way. There's not one right way to be out. You're not required to come out and, you know, you're not less than your, your queerness is not less legitimate because of, you know, you not having this whole coming out pomp and circumstance. Um, Cause I really, I mean, I don't know when I think back on, you know, growing up and stuff, I'm like, you know, if I could do it over, would I have come out? And I honestly don't know. I can't say, I can't say with a hundred percent certainty that I would have um, because now I have like this, hmm, it's just, I don't know. I just really, really feel like we shouldn't have to go through that shit. <laughs> like that's just honestly yeah. the, where I'm at with it. So I just it just bothers me so much, and it's so it infuriates me so much that it's even a thing that we you know that we're socially expected to do and all that. It bothers me so much that um, I'm just like, look, I'm not here for it. Live your damn life. I don't feel like I have to hide it, but I'm just like, why the fuck should I have to come out? Why? Like, why can't I just be with who I'm with and live my life and do with what I'm doing? So um, 
Yeah, I think that I, I don't know if I would have done it the same because I did. And, I, and there are things I went through that I'm like, well, damn, you know, if I wasn't, I, I wouldn't have gone through that. But um, and I was able to, I think, you know, the visibility helped to a certain extent with like peers and stuff. But overall, when I look back at it overall, I'm like, would I do it again? And there are a lot of things in my life where I'm like, I can absolutely say, yes, I would do. Even if it didn't turn out the way I wanted it to, I would still do it over. And coming out is honestly not, not one of those things. I can't confidently say that I would have done it the same because I just don't feel like we should have to do it. <laughs> I just feel yeah. like the whole like scenario of it or the whole like circumstances of it are just ridiculous because, um, uh, you know, other folks don't have to do that. So, um, yeah, nobody should be required to. So I do think it's very, very important that as part of a community, we kind of affirm one another and let our folks know, hey, you're not required to be flamboyant, to be valid. You're not required to be out in a particular way to be valid. I know plenty of people who are queer who are not out, but that doesn't make them less valid. It doesn't make their queerness less valid. And it doesn't mean they're ashamed or anything. It's just like, they're just, that's just not a choice they made. They just decided that I'm going to, you know, this is how I'm going to live my life and I'm not going to, you know, come out. Um, but for some people, it is important for them to come out. Um, so I just feel like regard whichever way you need to go, it's fine. And we should be supportive of one another in that. And us having the agency to decide for ourselves and not being pressured to do it any particular way. Amen. I definitely um, appreciate, first of all, appreciate you being willing to to do this. And um, this is a, a new venture for me. So um, I'm excited to like have different people on and, you know, you all are able to share your stories and nobody's, you know, experiences are exactly the same. Um, Cause I'm sure there's someone who's going to listen, who's going to be able to resonate with one or more things that you mentioned that are very specific to you. Um, mm -hmm. So I think that's really important, you know, and that you thank you have for having me too. <laughs> <laughs> it feels good to talk about this kind of stuff with, you know, someone else who who knows me. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, and I do feel like you are your like authentic self. So regardless of who you are and are not out to, I don't feel like you like hide yourself or anything like that. Like, and I mean, and that's, and it's just not up to anybody. Like that's up to you to really um, design, you know, like, okay, this is what my life looks like. And this is all the things I have to take into consideration as I'm, you know, creating this life for myself. So I think that's really important. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in to Black Radical Queer Podcast. Um, we really appreciate you listening and make sure you tune and then every Wednesday, that's when the podcast will air. So you can listen to all these wonderful, nuanced, diverse, Black radical queer stories. And we get to tell them on our own terms, which is what's important. So thank you for listening. Until next time, I don't know, I'm out. <laughs>Black Radical Queer is a main hustle media podcast hosted by Javi and Nicole and produced and edited by Charmaine Johnson. Music is by Young Carts. You can find us on social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Black Rat Queer. That's B-L-K-R-A-D-Q-W-R. And you can also listen to us wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to stay connected to us in our discussion group. It's called the BRQ Discussion Group on Facebook, where we will continue the conversations that we start in the podcast. Main Hustle Media. Turn your side hustle into your main hustle.